Thank you, wonderful musicians. Thank you to each one of you. My friends, I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. A dear grandmother was bringing a bus driver a bag of peanuts every day. How many of you like peanuts? Wow. All right. The peanut business must be good then, eh? Well, anyway, there, this dear grandmother mother was bringing a bus driver bag of peanuts every day. And initially, the bus driver enjoyed the peanuts a whole lot. But after a week of eating them, the bus driver said to the dear grandma, he said, please, Granny, don't bring me peanuts anymore. Have them yourself. It's just a little too much. Have the peanuts yourself. And the granny answered, well, you know, I, I don't have teeth anymore. I, ju I just prefer to suck the chocolate around them. Uh, you've, uh, you've probably heard that one on occasion, I suppose. Uh, uh, some of you just got it, I think. Just, just got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, today's message is entitled, What is Revival? This is our fourth message on revival in preparation for our upcoming revival services. And uh, I just want to remind all of you here, you can see it on the very front of your bulletin cover, the bulletin cover that was designed by one of our teenagers. And uh, I want to remind our radio listeners and internet listeners that our revival services are on Sunday, September the 22nd at 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. And then we continue Monday, September 23rd, through Friday, September 27th, at 7 p.m. Our revival speaker is Reverend Mark Bain, and our soloist for the services is Renee Welch. Just so you know, child care will be provided for the boys and girls, for the children up to four years of age for all the services. And I want to invite our radio listeners and internet listeners to join us here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene for these wonderful revival services that will enrich your spiritual life and be a blessing to you and to all of us here in our congregation. Amen? So, let us read Exodus chapter 3, first 10 verses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, 
Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Let's pause there and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for your holy Bible. And Lord, I pray, I pray for your help for your help as we study this part of your Holy Bible. Lord, help each one of us to be impacted by the truth that is in here and the truth that you want to especially touch our lives with. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, 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 amen. My friends, I am the, the first to acknowledge the fact that Exodus Three, where we just read, does not, does not directly answer the question of what is revival, but indirectly the, the truths we discover do in fact help us to gain a better understanding of, of revival. And here's the first truth I want you to think upon with me. Truth number one is this. Revival involves experiencing a fresh revelation of the Lord. This is what happened to Moses. This is what happened to him. And uh, we, we begin to see this, especially in, in the first, in the first uh, four verses where we just read, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. And Moses saw that though the, though the bush was on fire, did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And by the way, for the benefit of, of some of you who are interested in names and geography, Horeb, Horeb was, was, called, was also called Mount Sinai. Now, I'm reading today from the New International Version. If you are looking at the New Living Translation, uh, I don't even think it mentions Horeb. It just says Mount Sinai. But uh, Horeb was also called Mount Sinai. It is likely that Horeb, H-O-R-E-B, was the name applied to the range of the mountains at that time, while Sinai was a smaller group or perhaps a single peak. And some of you who went on the Holy Land tour with, with us uh, a few years ago uh, had the privilege of actually climbing up 
to the top of Mount Sinai, which was a, a, a long climb, as some of you who were there will remember. It was a long climb and a hard climb. But the important truth that I want us to notice is that Moses had a fresh revelation of the Lord and from the Lord. It was a fresh revelation. And after this revelation, Moses became a very different man. And I believe that a part, a part of revival is experiencing a fresh touch and a fresh revelation of the Lord for you and for me. Amen? Amen? And this is what I am praying will happen for you and for all of us during this upcoming week of revival services. Now, think, think about the following. A fresh revelation can happen in an ordinary place at an ordinary time. Think of what happened to Moses. He was shepherding his father-in-law's flock when he had this special encounter with the Lord. In other words, for Moses, it happened while he was on the job. It was an ordinary place and an ordinary time. Perhaps your fresh revelation of the Lord will occur while you're on the job or at school or at home or while, while in church or perhaps even this morning or at this evening service or next Sunday morning as we begin the revival services or through the week of revival. I just want to alert all of us to be open to a fresh revelation from the Lord. Come, come with that kind of a prayer in your mind and in your heart. Amen? Notice also that a fresh revelation can happen in an unexpected way. An unexpected way. For Moses, the revelation happened through the flames of fire from within a bush. Now, I'm not saying that God would do the same or should do the same thing with you. I am saying that sometimes the Lord reveals himself in unexpected ways and unexpected places and open up your mind and heart to that possibility. During our 12-hour prayer vigil yesterday, someone got up and gave a testimony of, of how they saw the Lord reveal himself and make himself known in, a, in an unexpected way, in a special way, to meet the need of their family. Recognize also that a fresh revelation can come through an unexpected messenger. In the case of Moses, verse 2 tells us an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, some Bible scholars say the angel was the pre-incarnate Christ, although he is never referred to as such in the New Testament, so we don't know for sure. But your messenger, your messenger that the Lord might use for your fresh revelation might be our revival speaker, Reverend Mark Duane, Reverend Mark Bain. Or your messenger might be Renee Welch, our revival services soloist. Or your, your messengers might be our worship team. Or your messenger might be someone totally different 
that I haven't even thought of, nor have you. I want to encourage you to open up your mind and heart to a fresh revelation, a fresh revelation from the Lord, which can happen in an ordinary place, in an unexpected place, through an unexpected messenger. Are you with me now? You got it? You got it? Amen? Come, come to revival services with this hunger in your heart, this desire for a new and a fresh revelation from the Lord. Let me now take you to a second beautiful truth, and it is this. Number two, revival includes a fresh awareness of the holiness of God. This happened with Moses. This happened with Moses. He captured, got a, a fresh awareness of God's holiness. Look at verse 4 and following. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Verse 5, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the Lord. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Dr. Leo Cox, writing in the Beacon Bible Commentary, says these beautiful words. He says, Moses could not stand, Moses could not stand lightly in God's presence, and he learned that the divine presence, P, capital P R, E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. He learned that the divine presence sanctifies even the ground where he appears. My friends, I believe Moses experienced a new awareness of the holiness of God. A variety of people in our Holy Bible were also impacted by God's holiness. For instance, the prophet the prophet Isaiah was gripped by the Lord's holiness. And in Isaiah chapter 6, at the beginning of the chapter, he says, In the year, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The temple was filled. The prophet Isaiah was gripped with the Lord's holiness. Then there's also King David. King David recognized the Lord's holiness. And in Psalm 29, verse 2, David says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
and creatures around the throne in heaven declare his holiness. Revelation 4, verse 8 tells us, the creatures never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And hymn writers, hymn writers have captured God's holiness. The hymn writer says, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen? Why is it, why is it so important for us to have a fresh awareness of God's Holiness. Why is it important for us to capture that great sense of God's holiness? Here is why. Here is why. We become more inspired to truly worship the Lord. Amen? We end up having a greater desire to say, as do the creatures around the throne of God in heaven, as recorded in Revelation 4:11. You are worthy, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And so we become more inspired to truly worship the Lord. Is that not right? Yes. Another reason why it is so important for us to have a fresh awareness of God's holiness is this. We become inspired, inspired to become more like Him, I believe. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16 verses, they say there, but just, but just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy, says the Lord. My friends, throughout these revival services, may you and I have a hunger, may we have a desire to grow in holiness, to grow in our devotion to the Lord, to grow in an entire sanctification as 1 Thessalonians 5.23 puts it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Say it with me from the big screen. Revival includes a fresh awareness of the holiness of the Lord. Amen. Let me take us to a third major truth, and it is this. Why don't you read it with me? Revival results in a fresh understanding of the Lord's concern and love for you. This truth occurs to me when I read, when I read verses... Um, seven through nine, and uh, one of the main reasons I'm using the new international version today, other translations are beautiful as well, but I really love how these verses are translated from the Hebrew. Look at verse seven. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and look at this. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. In the course, in the course of God, giving Moses a fresh revelation of himself. I am sure that Moses gained 
a new understanding of God's concern and love for his people. Think about it. How could, how could Moses not, not be touched by the Lord's words when, when God said in, in verse 7, I, I have indeed seen, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard, I've heard them crying out. I am concerned about their suffering. I have come down, I've come down to rescue them. And then in verse 9, the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Their cry has reached me. My friends, these are the words of the Lord. Um, and, and these words of the Lord are, are words that people in other disaster-stricken areas need to hear in the present day. Obviously, in recent days, the Bahamas and some other areas have been hit very hard by that terrible hurricane, Dorian. And uh, people there, people there these days need to hear these words from the Lord that I have indeed seen the misery of my people. Thank you, thank you to those of you who, who gave financially to help with the relief effort today. And thank you to those of you who will probably give next week because you weren't prepared to give today. It is my prayer. It is my prayer that in the midst of chaos, precious people in those disaster areas in the Bahamas would somehow also hear the words of the Lord. I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying out. I am concerned about their suffering, and I have come down to rescue them. And the good news is, the good news is, most of us have not had to live through a category four or five hurricane. We've not had to live through a tsunami or an earthquake or a typhoon. But, but some of you, some of you are going through an Egyptian experience of your own kind. For the people of God, in the days of Moses, Egypt, Egypt was a place of pain, suffering, mistreatment, and even death. God's people were prisoners. They were prisoners in Egypt. They were slaves. They worked hard and long. And some of you, some of you are in the midst of your own Egyptian ordeal. Now please understand, I'm not saying anything against the country of Egypt. But at that time, for these dear people, Egypt was a time and a place of great hardship. What is your Egypt? Is your Egypt a family problem? Is your Egypt lack of a job? Is your Egypt loneliness or difficulties at work or school? Is your Egypt insufficient money? 
Or is your Egypt legal problems, illness, death of a loved one, all kinds of sorrows? 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, cast, cast, or place all your anxiety on him, the Lord, because he cares for you. Isn't that wonderful? Cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. No matter what you are facing, it is my prayer that revival will bring to you a fresh understanding of the Lord's concern and love for you. Open up your heart. Open up your mind to experience a fresh understanding, a new, a new wonderful glimpse of his concern and love for you. Amen? Here's a, a fourth beautiful truth. Read it with me. Where are we? There we are. Number four. Revival inspires us to have a fresh openness to the voice of the Lord. This truth comes to my mind when I read verses like verse 4 and 10. Ver verse 4. Verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. In verse 4, we begin to see that Moses is at least open. He is open to whatever God has to say to him. And Moses says, here I am. Then in verse 10, the Lord says to Moses, so now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. Pharaoh was Egypt's leader. It's like going to the president. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God gave Moses a specific mission. Dr. Leo Cox says, though God could have delivered Israel by a word directly, he chose his servant through whom he would work. My friends, the truth is Moses really wrestled. Moses really wrestled with, with whether or not he could do what God asked him to do. At one point Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. You've probably said that different times, haven't you? Lord, send someone else to do it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not able. I, I don't have time. Uh, I'm too scared. Um, whatever. Nevertheless, in the end, Moses was open and obedient to the voice of the Lord. My friend, what will the voice of the Lord say to you 
in the days ahead throughout our revival services. Will God's voice, will God's voice ask you to, to bring someone out of their own personal Egypt? What do you mean, Pastor Nick? Well, if someone's Egypt, if someone's Egypt experience is, is loneliness, could it be that if you take the initiative to become that person's friend, you will be God's Moses leading him or her out of Egypt? Do you see that? If someone's Egypt is an illness, could it be that your potential visits and acts of kindness might help them and your encouragement might, might help take them at least part of the way out of Egypt? Recently, a gentleman from our Solid Rock Church of the Nazarene was, was telling me with great gratitude in his heart of how Pastor Tina Patamber's kindness and help and visits have been such a big help to him during his severe illness over these last several years. Sometimes what you say and do can help someone come partially out or totally out of their Egyptian experience? Or will God's voice, will God's voice lead you to, to start, to start a new relationship with Jesus? It's possible that you are in church here today and, and we're so glad that you are. But it's possible that as yet you have not started a relationship with the Lord. And Jesus speaks words these words in Revelation 3.20, and he says to you and to each one of us, he says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in, he says. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, come, come, follow me. Follow me. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And to some of you, the voice of the Lord is saying, and throughout the revival services, the voice of the Lord will say, Come, follow me. Follow me, says Jesus. Are you following him? Will God's voice lead you into a, a deeper and closer relationship with Him? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24 speaks of a, a deeper and, and closer relationship where the Bible says, may God Himself, may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. During our revival, 
Will you call out to the Lord for a deeper and closer relationship with the Lord? Young people, during revival, will you too call out to the Lord for a deeper and closer relationship with the Lord? Amen. Will God's voice challenge you to do away with a particular sin, perhaps? A sin that's been a part of your life for whatever reasons, but you know the Lord wants you to get rid of it. 1 John 2 verse 1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So you will not sin. Is there something that you need to stop doing to better enrich your spiritual life, to better honor the Lord, to better be a blessing to your family, to friends, to others? Will God's voice inspire you to start tithing? To start tithing, which means giving a tenth of your income to the Lord's work. And I'm sure that the Lord is speaking and will speak to some of you about tithing. I say that because I've learned over the years that in order for me to truly be at peace with God, I, I need to not only be tithing, but to give beyond a tithe, to give offerings and say, Lord, I give back to you from that which you have given to me. Jenny, Jenny, you, uh, you, you and some others nicely look after our offering envelopes. How about after church, Jenny, if, if maybe you're going to be there anyway, if you can be at the, uh, at the welcome desk, Jenny, and if there's some of you that need to get offering envelopes, go to that welcome desk. And Jenny, why don't you just stand? Look, look how beautiful she looks, all right? Turn around there, Jenny, all right? See, see this wonderful wonderful servant of the Lord, and, and she'll give you a box of envelopes with your number on it, and that way you don't have to put your name on every week or whatever. Amen. Will God's voice call you? Will God's voice call some of you to, to become a pastor, a youth pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, a preacher, or a medical missionary? God is in the business of calling people to his ministry. Across the years, we've had numerous different men and women, younger ones and older ones, called into the ministry. And maybe, maybe he wants to do the same with you. Who will be? Who will be the next child? Who will be the next teenager? Who will be the next man or woman to answer God's call to ministry? Amen. Revival inspires us to have a fresh openness to the voice of the Lord. And you know what your responsibility and mine is? It is to say, as the chorus says, I'll say, yes, Lord, yes to your will, and to your way, I'll say, yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey.
Anthony, would you come and let us sing this beautiful chorus? Let us sing it together. Worship team, come. Dorothy, lead us in it, would you? Let's stand. Let's stand. I'll say yes, Lord. Would you say yes? Say yes to the Lord in terms of what, it, what he is going to reveal to you during these revival services. Say yes to him. Yes. Yes to what, what fresh revelation he is going to give you. Yes to the fresh awareness of the holiness of the Lord. Yes to a fresh understanding of the Lord's concern and love for you. And yes to a fresh openness to the voice of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you are helping each one of us to gain a little better understanding of what is revival. And I pray, O oh God, that, that all of us here will experience some or all of the truths that we've, we've, we've discovered from Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And I pray that you would draw near to each dear person present here today and people who will be here throughout the revival services with Reverend Bain. Oh, God, we pray. We pray for a revival for each one of us. Touch the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray.